No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. TheWordBros.com. Welcome to another episode of Word Bros. I'm Kevin Cuff. I'm Bob France. This week, uh, we have a very a very special guest. Dave Duanch is coming on. You may know Dave because he's been doing comics for like a thousand years. Le- legit. He's a comics vampire. He's a really good dude. He's a really solid guy. He's got some books coming out. He's got a book called Jenny Zero through Dark Horse that's hitting stores in April. And he's running a Kickstarter right now for uh, a book called The Broken Circle. It's a continuation of his Problem of the Dead thing through Behemoth Comics. So that's on Kickstarter right this instant. And Dave's got a lot of stuff to say, man. He's worn a lot of hats in this industry. He's got a lot of advice for new creators, for older creators. Just And he's got a lot of great stories, too. We've had a blast talking to him. Hell, after we stopped recording, we talked to him for like another hour. Yes. He's just a good dude, and, and, and he's, a, he's a nice guy. So you should make sure that you, uh, you, you check him out. And if you're an artist and your name sounds like you belong in New Japan, like Magenta King, he will hire you. This book, that book looks amazing. It, it does look great. Denny Zero. And again, the episode is brought to you by the fine people from Things from Another World. Thank you to Things from Another World for sponsoring the podcast. Go to thewordbros.com. Click on the Things from Another World banner and get your uh, comic shopping on. And without any further ado, Dave Duanch. Dave Duanch, welcome to the Word Bros Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on, my friend. I love being a guest bro. It's like, it's been a dream of mine. That's that's a phrase that we've never used and no one's ever brought it up or brought it to our attention. That's the, you're a guest bro. That's really good. Guest bro. Yeah, you're you're the first guest bro. I I think (laughs) Melissa Melissa White used it. Did Melissa use it? She she said she's an honorary word bro. Okay, well. She's been on the show a bunch. Honorary (laughs) word bro is one thing. It's not a guest bro. Not a guest bro. (laughs) And that title belongs to Dave and Dave alone. Dave, it's a pleasure to talk to you, man. Like I said before we hit record, uh, I've been interacting with you through various uh, projects and stuff for a very long time, but we've never actually gotten to meet or talk before. So this is really fun for me. Yeah, I you know I I think I met you once at a San Diego con and nope. you were like wait nope. no I've no? never been to San Diego now you name oh I'm me. just making shit up yeah you can, but you can you know what you met don't, me once at North Carolina con hang on mm. hang on don't let the truth get in the way of a good story so just go oh I swear to God okay well then maybe I've just been ogling you from afar on the internet because I was like I was like that Bob, he is a handsome man he's so. a handsome handsome yeah, man I mean like he's debonair. In my writer for being a guest bro, I was like, it has to be video so I could see Bob. <laughs> see, I'm not shocked. You say that, but look at you. You're dressed to the nines with your nice little sweater because you just moved to Colorado, you were saying? I get fancy with it. I like, I still wear a suit to work. I And I and like, I still have my day job. I still do all that stuff. And I don't care if I have Zoom meetings or what. I, I put on a, a shirt and tie every day because uh, there's got, you know, like if you, if you look good, you feel good, you, you're acting professional, you are professional. And I just, I feel like I get more done. 
That's very true. Yeah. I mean, during yeah. this whole COVID thing, I've been still taking showers on a regular basis because it just makes me feel like a human. But you're letting that hair grow, though. <laughs> well, I that's because I'm not going to a barber. I'm not doing it until I know that it's safe. I know that sounds weird, but I'm not doing it. I'm I got not. that male pattern balding, though, so I don't really care. I'm just like, this is as far as it gets. It's bad. <laughs> but and, you wear it well, my friend. Well, you know, like that was the scariest thing, right, growing up. I like, I was like a total metalhead. Like my hair was down to my butt. And then I was like, I'm really sick of these split ends. I'm just going to shave my head. And then metal gods were like, no more hair for this guy. Just no take more. it right away. They're like, put it on his back. And so <laughs> here we are, guys. So you're a metalhead. So what kind of metal were you listening to? Who's your favorite metal bands? Oh, that's so, a good question. I grew up in the Bay Area. So uh, like, I, and they're not the best band, but like I grew up right around the block from uh, Chuck Billy from Testament. So okay. I would see that's Chuck cool. all the time. He's a giant man. I mean, and he just sounds and looks exactly the way you would imagine. But my favorite band, they only had two really good albums, but my favorite 90s metal band is Forbidden. And they're another Bay Area band. And they're kind of like prog metal, but okay. um, just amazing. Paul Bostaff, who wound up uh, being in Testament and then Slayer, uh, and he's the Slayer drummer now, he was the drummer for Forbidden. And a bunch of dudes that... Uh, I mean, I don't want to say they didn't go anywhere. They they accomplished more in their lives than I'll ever accomplish in my life. But uh, says Mr. Dark Horse book. Uh, <laughs> I also have a, a, a Kickstarter, and every day I wake up with night terrors now because I'm just like, it's not going to fund. There's no way this is going to fund. I mean, you guys know how that is. I mean, yeah. it's just stressful. It's the worst. Like, it's the worst. It's it the is. worst. How many times can you ask your friends for 20 bucks? I mean, Jesus. And so Bay Area point, Metal. Bay Area Metal. We'll get back Ma to the Machine Head. I like Machine Head a lot. I do. Okay, uh, they were they were like right at the tail end of of that. Like like Machine Head's great ministry. Ninety nine. Yeah. 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 And like and then I got into Nine Snails and I was like, wow, this Depeche Mode's super angry. And I got really <laughs> into Pretty Hate Machine. Yeah. And so then it was just like that was it for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So and you said you're from the Bay Area. So and I know you're a big Golden State Warriors fan. Um, who's I your am. favorite goal? Who's your favorite Golden State Warrior of all time? Oh, of all time. So here's the thing. I did a lot of work with the Warriors in the 90s. And uh, I, I actually worked on a... Um, TMC, baby. Yeah, I worked on a... I worked on a they had a, 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 a mascot called uh, Thunder. And they wanted to develop in, him into a, 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 a cartoon character. Superhero awesome. thing. So I worked on that. And that was when I was drawing. And then... Uh, the so NBA then you worked with McNamara. Jason No, no, this, this was, he said in the 90s. In the oh, 90s, way yeah. before. I'm old as hell, man. I am old. I mean, like, I'm as old as the gray in your beard, my brother. It is like, <laughs> I am so old. Um, but yeah, and then and then the NBA found out about it uh, because they were doing it on the under and then they were putting the package together. And then someone mentioned it to someone higher up and the NBA were like, never, ever, are you ever gonna allowed to do this? And so basketball and I didn't get along for a long time. Uh, I, I actually just got into basketball because i had some friends invite me to some playoff games about five years ago mm -hmm. and that's when i was like wow the energy in this in this stadium or arena is like nothing i've ever been involved with uh so i mean i, I do like clay thompson steph curry all those guys but you know cool. i i like big big uh big shooters i like three-pointers okay. a lot and that's the that's the team okay well sure. the correct answer is chris mullen Oh, that's no. the correct answer for your favorite <laughs> Golden State Warrior of all time. It's Chris Mullen. You I'll have to remember that for authenticity's sake. <laughs> you could set your watch to that haircut, man. He had that uh, that flat top thing, and he was a white dude that could shoot threes. He, Chris Mullen. I'll have to go back. You know, like that's the thing. Like I I just watched the the uh, 
the Jordan documentary. And I wasn't into basketball at that time. Like my parents were always into football. And like, so like we had the Niners and the Raiders and that was okay. the thing. And, you know, even then I wasn't really that big into it because my dad wanted me to play and I'm like five foot nothing. So <laughs> all I had was like wrestling because I was lower to the ground. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I try to go back and it's really hard to watch old sports. <laughs> like if you weren't yeah. into it, then you're like, you might as well just be watching old golf. It's <laughs> crazy. That's funny. So oh, yeah, man, man, so you grew up in the Bay Area. And like I said, I assumed you were from Pittsburgh, but you're, you've are you been a California kid your whole life. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've been in comics for a long time. And, and yeah. uh, I used yeah, to you travel. Have. It was my excuse for going on vacations and uh, hanging out in bars like a, like a scallywag, you know, like... <laughs> I met so many great people uh, when I was with Action Lab, and I got to to put out a lot of great books. Bob, yours is one of oh, them. And, yeah. yeah. Oh no, I mean seriously. Like at that point, it was like I was I had access to so many great creators, and I I could see the future. It was like you know what I mean. You yeah, see yeah, yeah. Comics, and you're like, I like I know who's going places, and I loved being in the first place for for people to start. I would never recommend finishing uh you know there are there are plenty of companies where you get your start and you wouldn't want to be like yeah and i'm staying there forever you know well, you, you didn't like, even stay there forever no no i no. was there for like 10 years and my wife was like you gotta pick you gotta pick a lane here you know like either you're gonna give your all of your time to uh, cultivating other people or you're going to do what you did in comics and why you got into comics in the first place and it was to write and draw so like you know, I, I quit drumming. I was also a drummer and I, I quit that for comics. And then I quit comics for publishing. And then I went back to making comics. It's more fun. It's less stress. You don't have the weight of the world on you. You know, you just do fl flights of fancy all the time. It's the, it's the way. Well, it's also too, you don't have, you're not carrying the burden of other people's hopes and dreams. You just have your own at that point. You and, just and have your I've own told, ideas. Like comics are failure. I mean, like, it, like, <laughs> like there are plenty of like, people that that think that you could just make a comic and that's it and then you know it's like a come to jesus situation but you're like, <laughs> like man no you got to put that other hat on and you've got to be the one that promotes you i mean you look at like even image comics like that everyone wants to be at image comics and uh, i do too but when you're there you still have to promote every single book that you're on there's no guarantee that that's going to be successful and they could cancel you before the first issue so you know like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. imagine that story how do you explain that one you're like oh, i'm at image this is this is it this is the one and then like 50 people order your book and you get canceled and you're like i'm not at image and i've been telling everyone i know i'm at image <laughs> it's got to be like the roughest thing ever yeah but i think that you can also just chalk that up to the biz just be like oh it's just coronavirus man i guess yeah. it was coronavirus that was the thing like our book was gonna we had planned out uh jenny zero to come out at san diego first issue we were like we're dropping it the week before we were gonna get flying to san diego do a bunch of signings going to san diego like we're like heroes you know to ourselves obviously no one else knows who the hell we are but like corona happened and we were like what's gonna happen to this book yeah mm -hmm. and and i think everyone was collectively like what's gonna happen but you know Jurassic Park, baby. Life finds a way. You got to figure it out. <laughs> but you just don't have Jenny Zero at Dark Horse Comics, which comes out what in, in a couple weeks, right? That thing. Oh no, it's 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 in the catalog now, but it'll be. Well, okay. I don't know when this is supposed to, but it's it's out in April. So. Okay, well this this episode will air on Monday, so like that's oh, when we'll okay. debut it. So is it like can we still go to our local comic shops and order that book? Oh yeah, for sure. For cool. Sure. Okay, cool. that's awesome to know. That's always oh. something we like to hear. 
And what do you have on Kickstarter since you should plug that one? Yeah. Uh, He's just just such a natural that he just went into, yeah, I got a Kickstarter going on too, man. And you know how that is. I I remember. I I just wanted to admit, guys, that I had night terrors over it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I have a a thing called uh, The Broken Circle that's on on, uh, Kickstarter. And uh, it's a continuation of a thing I did uh, called Prom of the Dead. And uh, I just unapologetically love teenage dramas. Like, it's like my like crack. I don't know why. I don't know why. I, you know what I mean? Like, I am a 47-year-old man that loves, like, the OC and 90210 <laughs> and junk like that. But, so uh, Riverdale's your jam, then? No, I tried it. But then I was like, man, put a shirt <laughs> no. on, bro. I was like, like, why are you always topless? Like, he can, it can be literally the coldest day ever in Riverdale. And yet, somehow, Archie finds a way to take a shirt off. I'm like, I get it. But come on. Yeah. How, did you, how did you feel about Sabrina? Did you like Sabrina? Uh, you know, I like Sabrina more. For I sure. did. I did too. For I sure. like Sabrina more too. I couldn't uh, get into Sabrina. I just couldn't do it. I tried I really hard. Satanic Harry Potter. It's great. Yeah, I, mean, I like it. It's, I just yeah. there was just something about the dialogue for me, man. It just didn't fit. Like there was just it just fell off. Like I was watching the show and I was like, this isn't for me. I had that moment that like I'm too old for this. Oh, wait yeah. a second. But how was, how old I'm, are you? I'm 43. Oh, well, you and me, 40s. Here we go. Yeah, Are you, and wake up... I'm, I'm, I'm a year ahead of Bob. Yeah, Kevin's 44, but I was watching. Do you guys watching... wake up sore for no reason? Because that's happening and it's awful. Um, I do a lot of yoga late. I've been doing a lot of yoga. So that's been helping like with my hips and my knees and stuff like that. But okay. yeah, I do have like a, a, a nagging hip issue. This just turned to the old man geriatric well, podcast. Well, I mean, I mean Centrum just... Silver, Dave, it helps. <laughs> it, took me, it took me 25 minutes to learn how to get on Zoom. <laughs> Oh, no, I, I, uh, yeah, it's been really bad, but I would, I would recommend if this comic thing doesn't work out, I think that you guys need to pivot and, and I'm really good at pivoting and reinventing, but I think Broga would be the way to go. You just become a, a yoga instructor that also podcasts with the word okay. bros right. and then you do yeah. Broga. It would just yeah. be a lot of breathing. Okay. Breathe. <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, I have no patience for for yoga. I try, and my wife's, you know, she's she's done it for years. So like watching her, I'm like, I could do it. And then she's like, your form is just so terrible. And I, you know, there's no instructors really, and she can't really correct me. Yeah. So I don't need to wake up in the morning and and just start off with failure. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I feel. Give yeah. me give me three hours. Let me get my cup of coffee first. So tell us about tell us about uh, the broken circle here then. Oh, cool. So. It's uh, it's basically following three kids after prom night and prom night uh, during prom night, a, a zombie and I air quote zombie because they're not actually zombies um, like a, an outbreak happens and they're trapped in their school during prom. And then the cool kids get stuck with the loser kids and then the loser <laughs> kids are just a little bit more adept at surviving. Um, but by the end of it, you get three main survivors. And the, so the broken circle just kind of picks up with them as they're trying to find their friends and family. Uh, and then they ultimately come into conflict with other kids because the way I imagine it is, uh, kids are survivors. And I think that in COVID, we've already figured out that kids, yes. they adapt <laughs> and they figure it out. But if they're left in their own, to their own devices in a Lord of the Flies kind of scenario with an, in, like, basically what becomes an alien invasion, like they're going to be super cutthroat and mean. I mean, like if you imagine the walking dead at its like harshest bits, uh, imagine that only like kind of funny and kind of knowing, you know, it it knows itself and it, it doesn't really talk down. I feel like, you know, every 20 pages, there's something batshit crazy that's happening. So. Which is fun. I that's think a, that's that awesome. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and I, I'm, I'm trying to subvert expectations in, in that. And in, in, in a lot of my work, I try to like take 
genres that we're all familiar with and then just put my odd weird spin on it you know weird is always good i mean well i mean we, it's it's clear that you're into because you were one of the first people who were into metal shark bro you tried to steer us over to behemoth and that's who you're doing um spores uh yeah, uh, the, just, the yeah. prom prom and broken Soul. yeah, yeah, yeah. they're with them so how do you like work with the because they're a relatively new company i imagine that your insight and your experience in this business has been super helpful to those dudes oh yeah totally we we, we talk uh nathan and i over at behemoth talk like at least once a week and uh, they, you know, they, they're doing a lot of licensed stuff and, and uh, it's interesting, the stuff that they're getting and I'm wondering how they're getting it. I'm always just like, these Duke boys are jumping over this ravine and I have no idea how it's gonna happen <laughs> after this commercial break, but they're doing it. It's Ryan and Nathan and, and uh, you know, they're the main guys. Uh, I, I did help out a lot with like logistics early on, just like, uh, it was interesting because the way I met them, I was doing the Prime of the Dead Kickstarter and I was just kind of surfing Kickstarter looking for my competition. And one of the books that was on there, I was like, this looks really sharp. And it was Behemoth Comics. And yeah. so I went mm-hmm. to go check out the rest of their oeuvre and I was like, it, they really do have the potential to make it as the next Vertigo. And that's always been my jam. I loved, love, love Vertigo stuff. And uh, it broke my heart when that went away. But um looking at their taste and the things that they're bringing in, I was like, they could be the next, the replacement for that. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And you know, the license stuff aside, I think that the, what, what's interesting about licensing stuff is you get to use someone else's brand and uh, put your brand on top of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So even if you don't really like have a, a creative stake in it, uh, if you put out good product, you get to say that you were like, you know, Metal Gear Solid people, you know, that's the yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what they yeah. did back in the day. Right. So yeah, hopefully, you know, it'll work out. I don't know what COVID does to a company like that. I have no idea, but it seems like they're still making solid moves. So. Yeah. It seems like they're doing good stuff over there, man. And like you said, Nathan's a solid dude. He's a solid citizen. I, I talk to him every time I see, cause it just appears like this news happens in my social media timeline where behemoth just did this. And yeah. I always send like, we hey, say congratulations, man, congratulations. Yeah. Cause they're nice yeah. dudes and you want to see people succeed. And that's kind of what I've always enjoyed about you, Dave. You've always been quick to, you know, intervene because you put Metal Shark Bro on Bohemus radar and you didn't have to do that, but you just did it because you liked the work. And I always thought that was super cool of you. That's actually like my thing. Like I, I, love, <laughs> I, I love going around Artist Alley and finding cool shit, man. Like it is like crack to me. It's like, like window shopping potential. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and that's something that's crazy. Like, like I don't know any other like, form of entertainment where you can shop and see the potential and you could be like in two years five years this person's going to be like the shit yeah and it's happened you know a couple of times like i knew like jeremy whitley was going to be big when i first read princeless and i and i read princeless in its first iteration i think there's only like 50 copies and he had an artist and i was like if he just found the right artist this could be the book and so i found him an artist because he wasn't out there networking yeah. and he's you know i don't i don't know if that's necessarily uh, jeremy's a great writer i don't think jeremy's like the, the, a networky dude you know he's not like a you know double fin- double yeah. finger pointer guy like i am you know? <laughs> so uh so yeah so so i found him an artist and and like that artist and i are still really really tight and and uh she works in video games and and uh, uh she's like my mystery benefactor you know like she's like i need a really solid team player writer i need someone that can write all ages and and write horror or do jump between genres but i want someone that can work with a team of developers because you know 
video games are all about like ego. Like it seems like, it seems like everyone working in video games does, they all contribute to a larger whole, but they feel like whatever they're working on is the most important thing about that video game. <laughs> so uh, luckily I don't think I'm the most important thing in the room. So I can go <laughs> and work within, uh, you know, the confines of a level design or a character design or, or narrative or whatever it may be, you know? That's awesome. Um, That's yeah, great. I love it. And like most of my stuff, I co-write with people just because, you know, I mean, you guys know it's way cooler to write with someone else. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, it's like having a built-in, uh, you know, best friend and editor and, you know, it, it like brings you back to when you were 12 years old and you were just bullshitting about what Daredevil would do, you know, if this yeah. happened, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So... That's and, one of the best things about us working together is we both fuel each other's excitement on the product on the project. So and, like, and I fun. think your project is designed to go over the top too. So like it really does help. It's like Jenny Zero. Like it helps to have two people that are willing to go to uh, the ends of the earth together and separately to get the best product and to go there. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. to just push it harder than you could if you were just kind of insular and not talking to someone else. Um, but I got to ask you guys. Uh, so, I mean, uh, co-writing, like, mm -hmm. how do you guys co-write? Does, do, do you guys, you guys both work plot, one person scripts, the other person edits and then flip flops, or is it like, you, you guys aren't like holding hands and stuff. No, uh, we're, we're, we work remotely like everybody else in this era. And it's a lot of it is kind of, hey, I got an idea over a phone call. Cool. We kind of hash it out over a phone call or two phone calls or 10 phone calls or however many. It Until takes. we're both happy with Until it. we're both satisfied okay. with the way we are. Then we kind of work on an outline because whoever's going to start scripting, then they have the outline in front of them. So then they kind of have a roadmap of what, we, what we're doing. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I could start an idea because I have the time or I have an idea how I want to start this thing, then I'll start it. And then I'll basically tag Kevin in and be like, all right, dude, I finished two scenes, have at it. And then he'll go back and kind of rewrite what was there and then add his thing to it. You and then guys just... do it exactly like me and Brackton. I, yeah. thought, I thought we were rare, but now I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling like we should all four write something together. That Let's would be do insane. it. <laughs> I mean, it would be ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. It would have to be a wrestling, a tag team wrestling book. And then you would have to write each tag. That would be, oh, that's a good idea. See? <laughs> Fuck, that's the idea right there. But yeah, uh, like we, we came up with, uh, with Jenny and it was called party monster at first, but then everyone was like, we are not making a book named after a Macaulay Culkin movie. Um, and so we changed it to Jenny zero, which is her nickname. Yeah. Um, but we came up with the idea while we were like trashed in Puerto Rico and we locked ourselves out of our, our, our Airbnb and our wives were upstairs getting wasted. And we were downstairs getting a beer run and we locked ourselves out and, and it was in Puerto Rico, everything's kind of walled up and secure. There was no way to get back into this place. So we just wound up, drinking the whole case of beer on the street, talking about this idea that we were coming up with. And by the time we were done, I was like, we left our phones upstairs. We got nothing. What are we going to do? And I, I basically was like, I'm going to parkour up this wall. And uh, I was just drunk <laughs> enough to do it. And he was just drunk enough to be like, you could do it. So <laughs> I jump up the wall. I do this weird backflip off of it. And I like land and I'm all hardcore parkour. And he's like, what? And I was like, and I opened the gate. And I said, let's go upstairs. We went upstairs. Our wives were like, we thought you guys died. We thought you got mugged, whatever. And I was like, <laughs> they tried to call us. Our phones were upstairs. And then like, we just started hitting up the plot. And then, and we were at Puerto Rico for the Comic-Con. So the next day we had to work. So we woke up early, typed out the, just the, the little treatment and then started scouring like 
uh, Instagram, and we just typed in kaiju monsters, whatever it was, you know, <laughs> and and found Magenta King, and we were like, "Is this guy's name really Magenta King?" And uh, we're like, "That yes. sounds like a kaiju itself." <laughs> and his stuff was very much like, "Oh yeah, of course it's Magenta King. Mag- a monster did draw this." <laughs> um, and like, I I emailed him or I messaged him on Instagram while we were at the convention. And by the time the day was over, he was like, I'm in. And we just, we sent him the doc and he was like, I'm in. And we've been together for like, it's been two or three years now. Holy That's shit. Awesome. It's been a while. It's been a long time. And and I think it was just because Magenta was probably just finding his his feet as a, a, a you know, an indie uh, comic book artist. I think before that he was doing a lot of fan art. So it was like, you know, switching gears. Yeah. But I, I guess he's, I, he, I, I don't know if this is the way it went down, but I think he was Paul Pope's art assistant. Oh, oh okay. that's cool. So when you see his artwork, you're like, oh, it's like Jeff Darrow and Paul Pope. It did look him. familiar. Yeah, it looked like, it, I saw I saw Darrow, a little bit of Darrow in there. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He's Magenta's been sending me snippets of his conversations with Paul Pope, and I don't, Paul doesn't know about it, but I love being like that weird kind of like voyeur that's like Paul Pope's <laughs> talking about our book, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. And then like, you know, working with Brockton, it's like we started that doc for the first issue and like he would write five pages, I would write five pages, we would both edit it. And, you know, we got a, a, I don't know how long it takes you guys to do a first issue or an issue at all, but like we did that first issue in like four days. Yeah, it's like, it's like less than a week usually depending on, on what needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Usually we can get like 20 in, in a week if we're, if we're focused and trying to do it that quickly. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's gotta feel really, really good. Cause I think the hardest part is just like, looking at the idea board and being like, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to, how am I going to do it? Right? Well, like yeah. you're saying, the good part is you always get that hot tag. So like what happens is like when I'm getting like, I'm like, Oh, energy low warrior needs food, like, like gauntlet <laughs> or whatever, you know, you're typing. Um, like, I'm like, okay, I'm on page eight and then I'll send him the Google doc. And then like, he'll come in and do like eight pages or four pages or whatever. Yep. And then he'll be like, okay, I like I'm burnt out for now. So like he'll, he'll send it to me. But then based off of what he did, I just go, oh, this is like, this is really awesome. I like what he did here. And like, this is cool. So then you just keep going. We say that all the time when we, when we read our own work, we go, this is awesome. This like, is really cool. This, this is, is really, the, the, <laughs> these the, guys are geniuses. <laughs> the, the, the best thing is when we read an old script recently that we had done a couple of years back. And I was like, I was reading that. And he goes, dude, it's a really good script. And I'm yeah, it is actually. I was, I was like, I, I was, I thought it was bad, but when I reread it, I was like, this is actually really good. I, I was rereading uh, Cyrus Perkins, and that's the one book that I wish I still had uh, from from the old days. Uh, it's tied up in rights, but I, I'll read it sometimes, and I'm like, who was the sensitive motherfucker that wrote this? I, <laughs> it wasn't me. It was a channeled somehow through me, but it wasn't me. And I love. <laughs> Rereading your stuff and being like, I was at that point in my life when I wrote that, and I am not at that point now. And, and and sometimes, like, I'll look at like the stuff I did when I was like untrained or new, and just there's a rawness to it. There's like a devil may care attitude that, like, I maybe I didn't understand story structure, maybe I didn't understand where I was going the entire way through, but that's the the fun of it. That's like you, you it's like a a, a weird uh, yearbook photo. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the math club. What was I doing? You know, like <laughs> that's yeah, true. that's well, crazy. And a lot of times, I always say, if I go back and read my first works, and I'm like, this is great, then I haven't grown at all. 
Like I should be able, I should be able to find a couple things that I like, but overall I should pretty much go, you know, I'm much better now than I was five years ago. Cause you're growing and learning as a creator. I, I think it depends on what you're looking for. Right. Cause like, I mean like that Cyrus Perkins thing, like I, I literally was dying and I got in a taxi cab and I said, if I die in this fucking cab, I'm going to haunt it. So get me to the hospital. And, and I was like, probably an hour away from dying. I had, um, uh, oh God, I can't even think of it. Why can't I think of it? I can't even think about what my ailment was, but I, I sat on it for five days and- uh, Appendicitis. It, was, it wasn't, it was, uh, oh my God. Anyway, it'll come to me later. Uh, I've had a couple gins. So wait a um, minute, so you, you almost died and don't remember how you almost died. In the taxi cab? Uh, Did you have an NDE in the taxi, in the taxi cab? cab? That's Did boss. you have like a moment? Like, yeah. Well, I, so, so I sat on it, I crawled there. I, oh God, I, it, it really wasn't a serious thing, but I just sat on it for, for five or seven days and that's what made it bad. I'll, I'll, I'll remember it later in the, in the conversation, I'm sure. Um, but it, it, the words are just slipping uh, my mind. Uh, but I, I woke up from out of that surgery and I was like, why has no one done a haunted taxi cab story? I'm sure plenty of people have died in pu public transit. So I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm totally going to do that. Right. So I wrote this book and it was like the most heartfelt thing I've ever done because it was personal. And yet it was like, I've like fantastical in a way that real life isn't in it. And that's what comics are is escapism. And I was like, yeah, it's the best thing I've ever done. I, I want it. I want more of that in my life, you know, and it's just where, where creativity comes from a very pure place in your life. Like, you know, where you're not trying to make a billion dollars or you're not like, doing the Will Smith thing where you're like finding all the algorithms to make the perfect movie and then bright comes out, you know, like that kind of <laughs> shit, um, you know, like, like there's something to be said about originality and, and something that people haven't seen before, like a metal sharp row. And, and like, like it may not catch on right away because you may be ahead of the audience because the audience doesn't know what they want. And that's the thing that I've learned as a publisher is you never know what the audience mm -hmm. wants. And so you just have to go with your gut. And, you know, I applaud people that do that. A lot of people don't. A lot of people make the same stuff over and over and over again. I hate the fact that I have a, a Kickstarter on, uh, um, uh, I have a crowdfund on Kickstarter that's a, a zombie thing. Like, oh, I'm whatever, like, dude. Yeah. No, well, but, I mean, you know, if you, know, you have a different spin on something, though, Dave, and, like, I think that's that's plausible. Motherfucker, oh. you won't be hating when you get that 10 large, baby. <laughs> well, <laughs> here's the thing. I, I, I do think it's original, but I think that outwardly, and this is, you know, it's just a comment on society. I think that we are, we're living in a golden age of, of entertainment and shit is just force fed to us in your eyeballs, no matter what it's on and it's there. And you don't even have to like pause to, to see if you like it. You could watch something for one second and be like, I don't like it. Shut it off. Yeah. And that's the culture we're in. So yeah. it's kind of like, uh, if you don't like zombie stuff, you're just not even going to look at this. Movie. Yeah, yeah. You're not even going to like, look at the nuances of the yeah. book. You're just going to be like, nah, Right. Yeah, entertainment, like zombies, yeah, entertainment used yeah. to be a lot simpler. Like watch the first two seasons of Seinfeld and you see have, how they figured that out. You know, had three networks, bro. I mean, yeah, think yeah. about that. I like, mean, now watch, it's like watch the first couple seasons of Cheers when they're trying to get where they're going, and it's it's still funny, but it's like it's just one of those things that it had to catch on. You don't get that anymore. You get like 
this shit better, like you said, it better be good right out you of the gate. You get three episodes. You don't even, you get, you get like one. And then I give people three episodes, fuck, just like yeah. comics. In yeah. comics, I'll give you two, two, two full issues when I was reading singles. You'll get two full issues. If you if you don't, if something doesn't happen by the end of the second one, I'm out. You're part of the problem, so, Kev. By I the know. way, uh, it was my it was my gallbladder, by the way. There it oh, is. Oh, there you go. There it is. There it is. And 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 I I thought it was food poisoning. So I just was like, eh, you know, like I'm I'm an old man, so like I don't like asking for help or asking for directions. You know, like when you're lost, <laughs> you don't ask for directions. No, 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 we'll find it. That's exactly how my gallbladder incident was. And then like I couldn't eat for five days and then I felt better for one second. I drove myself to, to a grocery store, ate an entire cake in the parking lot, and then just just exploded rainbows. It was like insane. And then two days later I went to the hospital. So yeah. Yeah. It my, my gallbladder is the size of a, a softball. Now it's how big is the gallbladder supposed to be regularly? Like that, maybe right. like okay. tiny. Like a, and the like first a thing you wanted to eat after not eating for two days is a whole cake. I mean, look, don't shame me because I'm also, not. Look, I He's also, done it before. So I he can't. He can't. He can't shame you. I, that was a truncated version. That was the cliff notes because I also went to Jack in the Box and had uh, a burger oh, and and an egg roll. I was just like, <laughs> give me all the grease. It was gross. But uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, you guys, I, I I think that the best thing about comics is it's you can be as brave as you want to be and you can be whoever you want to be at this point and do it and you know. Uh, Comics are more progressive than than a lot of media. I think media is catching up to comics, mm-hmm. um, but I also think it's kind of hard. It's a it's a hard thing to to deal with because we also have like a, a an odd uh, like can- cancel culture, I guess. And yes. it's like you know the things that I used to write, uh, I, I don't really write anymore. I used to write a ton of dick and fart jokes, you know, ton of just yeah, way yeah, yeah. over the top <laughs> shock humor. And it didn't need to necessarily be a reflection of me, but it was just, you know, sometimes you write a character and you're like, that character's an asshole. And now it's like, if you write that asshole character, you become that asshole character in a way. So To some extent, but I also think, some of it I think is punching down. Sure. I think that's where the trouble comes. Like mm-hmm. you can still make an asshole character, but it's the it's the constant punching down. I think that gets people in trouble. Sure. You know sure. what I'm saying? Because like what used to be funny in, 1990 when you were making fun of someone who's had x y and z isn't very funny anymore nor relevant nor should it be because you're sure. you're punching down i think it's okay to punch level or punch up but you know it's sure. always better to punch up than down right you know? yeah so, fair enough fair enough that's that's my view on humor that's and i and i kind of looked at metal shark bro and i hate to keep referencing that but that's kind of the biggest thing we've done and it's a it's a humor book but in that book, in two volumes, in 200 and some odd pages, it never punched down. Yeah. We, you know we, what I'm we saying? We always tried to make the jokes about something like toxic masculinity or sure. um, like yeah. the, the ridiculousness that um, like of, of, of organized religion. So it's always punching at an organ, like, like a, a thing that's bigger than us uh, or, or any group of people. It's, it's just problematic society things like toxic masculinity or organized religion you know so yeah yeah that was like i did a a book called double jumpers and it was like all about the video game industry it was all about programmers and uh you know their their female boss 
And then uh, hijinks ensue where they're trapped in the games and there's this gender swapping thing. And wow, it sounds a lot like the Jumanji thing that they ripped me off, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I still haven't watched those fucking movies, by the way, guys. I was like, oh, I really do love The Rock and I really do want to watch it, but I just can't do it. You know, I just can't, like, I just, it's the same thing. Um, but uh, but but G-rated or PG-rated, you know, like I, I was like hard R on that one, you know, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> hard R. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. everything you're doing seems to be working out because you got this Kickstarter that's, that's halfway funded already. What you launched? What like two two or three days ago? Something yeah. like that. You're at I, almost five G's. You got a book coming out through Dark Horse. Like things seem pretty good. For I you. am good, Dave. I'm doing all right, guys. I'm doing yeah. all right. I, like I have like I don't know how about you guys, but I, I took. COVID as a signal to just work as hard as I possibly could to get more stuff in the in my pipeline so that when the world does realign you know we all need a laugh we all need an escape we you know like comics are a love for so many of us and I'm like I'm just gonna keep going with it I've got like five books coming like <laughs> this year and it's it's gross I mean I'm working on one with uh my buddy Justin Greenwood who did uh, the Stumptown uh uh, mm-hmm. comic and tv show and mm-hmm. uh it's really good to work with like someone that's a, a star you know like <laughs> like there's something to be said about like it doesn't even matter if you're I, this this it, it, it sounds like a diss but it's not the more doors you open the more doors open for you i guess is the thing i was going to phrase it like it doesn't matter if the book is good or not if it's out, if, if it's out there in the world and someone made a tv show out of it there's like a weird vindication there like people yeah, are like yeah, yeah, yeah. oh of course that's that's the guy and i'm not downplaying Stumptown. that's a fantastic book and a fantastic tv show and like i'm bummed that covid canceled that that show yeah um but working with justin on something uh, you know, it's like, Hey, where he's like, where do you want to go with this? And I'm like, I don't know. I am not, I'm small potatoes. Like I'm still like, uh, who wants to look at my shit guy, you know? Yeah. And he's like, we could go here, 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 here. And I'm like, let's go for it, man. I'm not used to, I'm not used to that. I'm not used to doors already being open, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and he's a, he's a, like a dear friend of mine. I love him. He's so, so talented. He reminds me of like, Rick Leonardi at Rick Leonardi's height of like X-Men and Spider-Man 2099. He's just so damn good. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, he, he and I grew up together. I, I ran a comic shop and he used to come in and, and uh, he was always that little like pimply faced kid that would be like, Hey, I draw comics. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then he showed me his portfolio. <laughs> be a like, kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be a kid. yeah. Just buy, buy the books, get out. Um, and then, you know, like years later, I like look back and I remember seeing his portfolio and being like, wow, this kid's incredible. And then years and years later, realizing that we were only like three years apart. <laughs> he's not like younger than me at all. But uh, you remember like, like the older you get, the, the, the age difference matters less, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back in the day when I was like 19 and he was 16, that was like, you know, you might as well have been 12, bro. So what are you guys working on now? Man, we're just pitching stuff, dude. You know how it is. You know how it is. Just yeah. we, got, we got pitches in the pipeline. We got things that we're working on currently. Uh, we're working on this book with uh, Matt Emmons, who's a really talented dude. Who, instant, weirdly enough, like you were mentioning, you found an artist for Jenny Zero by searching a hashtag. Yeah, you. That's was, how we found Matt. There was yeah. a Goblin Week hashtag because we're writing this book about this little goblin who wants to defeat a lich who nice. lives in their town because. He can't kill all the humans, so if he gets rid of the lich, he'll get rid of all the humans that come in and fuck up his life. 
Um, and we just searched Goblin Week and we found Matt that way. So it's, it's just the weird little things you kind of pick up as you go along, you know? How do you feel about, as writers, how do you feel about engaging artists? Do you always feel like you're ruining, you're like ruining someone's cup of tea or are you guys just like balls out? I like that art. I'm going to see what it's about and just go. Cause I'm always like, I'm, I'm still nervous. I'm still nervous. When I see someone that's incredibly talented, I'm always like, I feel like they're up here and I'm a writer. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin's, Kevin's got more I'm fearless. than I do. Yeah. yeah. I'm fearless. I, I don't care because I don't, I'm, I'm in, my day job is in sales. So okay. I hear no so much that I don't give a shit. What, so uh, what, what's ask. the sales job? What, uh, what uh, industry? Uh, it's beverage, beverages and snacks is what I did. Oh, I do. Uh, yeah, I do uh, alcohol. So like I'm in okay. sales for, for alcohol. Which yeah, is- and I do, I do Frito-Lay right now. I'm a, I'm okay. a sales rep for Frito-Lay. So um, like you hear no so much in those jobs where, where you're a sales rep and you're like, hey, can I get this? Or I need to get this. Or this is happening. Super Bowl, I need to do this. Um, so when you hear no so much that like when I ask an artist, if they say no, I'm not even hurt because they try and like cushion it. It's not like the, the sales industry where they tell you no and they're like, hell no. Like, it's like, no, I'm not doing that. But with the artist, if you ask them like, hey man, like I like your stuff or, or if, even if you're talking to a lady artist, for example, and you're like, hey, like a your stuff's really artist. great. Yeah, lady, <laughs> a lady artist. And you're like, hey, I, I like your stuff. Your stuff's great. Like, and I talked to Bob already. Uh, he likes your stuff. So like, like what kind of stuff are you interested in drawing or like are you booked up what's your schedule look like um you'll know right away you know what i mean if you're gonna you'll either get the back pedal or you'll get a straight no or you know or no response at all which is always fun we just ask i just ask if they say no that's fine and kevin always has this kevin's very uh very good at punching above his weight (laughs) like he's like we should ask that guy i'm like dude that guy's a marvel exclusive and he's like we should still ask him. It's like, what? It's like, you know, I give but, no fucks. But it's good that. to kind of have that that kind of uh, that high reach, if you will, because it's gotten us, you know, some pretty cool things. Well, you know, I mean, if you don't ask, you'll never get a yes. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, that's how we got to work with Tony Gregory. Was was he was already doing a lot of stuff and he had come on the pod to talk about something he did. And at the very end of it, I was like, dude, I've always liked your art. You should you should come do something with us. And he's like, okay. And that, that was that easy. When, when we got off the call, Bob was like, damn, you made that look really easy. And I'm like, sometimes <laughs> it is, and sometimes it's really not. But it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a frustrating thing. How do you go about doing it? I don't even know anymore. I, <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I mean, like, honestly, I, it, it could start as organically as like my weekly call with my buddy, Justin, where he's like, I got this one little idea. And I'm like, well, what about this, that, and the other thing? And he's like, just write it. I'm like, oh, yeah, but don't okay. you feel, but don't you feel like if you're talking to, I guess you guys have been friends for a really long time, but do you feel like opportunistic when you jump all over where he's like, oh, I'm thinking about this idea. And you're like, what about this? What about this? What about this? Like, is, uh, do you ever feel like you're kind of pouncing on an opportunity in a, I don't in a know. sleazy not, way? Not, not once did I ask him if I should write it or if I could write it. I was yeah. just more like being, being, he's my word, bro. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you're just, you're rapping back and forth and, and like, Honestly, we just have that, like, it's just a really good, we were born on the same day, three years apart. We, we grew up in the same town. Uh, you know, we, we've seen each other grow up. We know each other's wives. You know, it's just one of those things That's where we're cool. like super casual. Uh, but I, I go through a couple of agencies that I, and if you guys are ever looking for artists, I'll just give you guys the link to the, the agency <laughs> I use. And they're really good because I could be like, look, this is all I can afford for this project right now. And then, you know, it's 50-50 after that. And like a lot of times 
like Moritat is one of the artists at this like agency. So it's like, I mean, there's top notch people. Yeah. And I'm always passing other creatives over to them. So they really, really appreciate me. You get a cut from this shit, Angie. You're selling us like some Amway artist shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some kind of pyramid scheme. It's an neighbor. artist pyramid uh, yeah. scheme. <laughs> yeah. I, the agency gets 10%, but I get 25. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the way to do it. That's how but, you that's how you afford them fine sweaters. I'm trying to think of uh, how I've gotten the last few artists. And really, honestly, it's just a mixed bag of like discovery. It's not ever a... Uh, a pat thing you know yeah. like uh the broken circle artist i've been working with him on that mind palace book for ever and we've just been doing that for fun and i've been paying him uh for three years to work on a webcomic with me and then you know that pivoted over to prom of the dead and broken circle and we just you know when, when you know you can trust someone i feel like that's what's missing in comics is you hear so many stories of broken dreams and bad relationships and shit going <laughs> south it's like if everyone could just be decent to each other, it would be so much better. And I feel like we're getting there. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think another flash fact would be like, don't try to uh, promise what you can't keep. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know how much money I have to spend on pages if I'm not kickstarting and or, uh, you know, doing some kind of crowdfund or if a publisher doesn't have it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm paying out of pocket, like, I know what my my max is before my wife's like, dude, what the hell are you doing? You know? <laughs> and a lot of my books are paid out of pocket because, yeah. you know, like, I think that's the other thing that people are uh, like always a little, I know that for a while it was like, oh, well, if I'm not getting paid, then, you know, I, it's, it's like an injustice or whatever. But a lot of times writers are in the same boat that you're in and they just don't have any money. And like, mm -hmm. you got to strike up a partnership or a friendship or, uh, figure out a way to make it work you yeah. know and i think that like unfortunately the bigger you get the harder that becomes because like people then already have an implied idea of how successful you are but we all know it's comic books so it's like how successful are you you're in comic books yeah you know? yeah. <laughs> um, That's fun. yeah it's weird it's weird it is, it is very weird and i think some like early creators make the mistakes when they reach out to artists because they'll say well i can't pay you right now but we'll g i'll give you some of the back end fucking 50 percent of nothing is nothing my man like and there there is no back end when you're first starting out like if you want an artist you have to come up with a way to pay them sure that is sure. out of pocket or it, it's it's crowdfunding you can't you can't come at people with that back end yeah. bullshit because this ain't tom you ain't tom cruise this isn't fucking you know mission impossible eight you ain't making eight billion dollars at the box office you're making I'll bet, I'll bet you money that back end thing worked for like a year because like when barbed wire came out just as an example yeah. like that year of like comics being made like virus and barbed wire and they, dark horse was really aggressive back then too but you you saw a lot of indie movies the mask uh come out the crow people, the crow yeah. right yeah, the crow is huge right. Right. So it's like people are thinking, oh, well, maybe I can just follow my dreams, but dreams don't pay the fucking bills. No. So, you know, and then there was that huge backlash against it. And I totally I agree with it. But I will say that the the struggle of a writer is uh, is real, too. You know, no, totally. I mean, it's not as real as like, 
you know, I could write a double page spread where like some crazy Jack Kirby shit happens. And then an artist has to draw that. I, yes, they're putting in more work than I have. Yes, no, totally. There's no question. Well, that's why when Kevin and I approach an artist, we try to find out things that they enjoy doing and things that they want to draw because we talked about this yesterday on a podcast Kevin and I did. Kevin and I could write, like you said, a double page spread in 10 minutes, but an artist has to live with that for three days. So it might as well be something they enjoy doing to some extent, as opposed to like, it's fucking 800 horses and guys in, you know, suits of armor fighting a fucking dragon. But this guy doesn't want anything to do with that. Like he right. hates all of that. Right. <laughs> and, you know, so then you're, you're killing yourself, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like uh, artists, I, I don't know if they get the, the lion's share of the fame. They're definitely first uh, up for recognition because of the visuals. I will say that there's no way in hell that Jenny Zero would have been made without Magenta King. No right. way. Because I showed that to Dark Horse and they were like, great story, but this art is the jam. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I. That's why we're working together, right? But like without him, it would have just been another idea and, yeah. you know, ideas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Everybody's got those. I could be just a dude on public transit yelling at you about my ideas and, you know what I mean? <laughs> but there's no Magenta King there to make it real. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. But I will say that, you know, writers are working for free too. So there is like a... There's got to be some kind of balance there. And I don't, it's different for everybody, right? Like you don't really know, um, even from artist to artist, what that means yeah. or from creator to creator. See, Kevin and, I, Kevin and I have always looked at it. We get the book. Okay. And that's, you know, when our we- Our job kick, to sell the book. When, yeah. we, when we get a Kickstarter funded, we normally don't pay ourselves unless there's something left over. And then we just roll that into the next project. Yeah. Our attitude has always been, we get the book. We didn't come out of pocket to pay for this book. So everything that we sell at a show or that's all, that's all we're in the black, yeah. you know? So it's, it's a little bit, you know, more kind of beneficial that way for us. And, so that's and our what, hustle has to be on every time. And, and, con, and I mean, yeah. you know, you know how it is, Dave. I mean, you, you sit back there behind the tables, you know what the work is. You're, you're a project manager, you're a writer, you're a graphic designer, you're a carnival barker, you're a snake oil salesman. Like these are the things that you have to do to be successful in indie comics. Out of those things that listed, like which one do you feel that you have the most kind of success with and kind of struggle with? Oh shit. That is a great question. I'm not good at barking. I really, now you know you know what i do but i am really good at color design um <laughs> like if you look at everything on my table it's it's very intentionally colorful and uh -huh. everything has a place and i because i've written so many different books and so many different genres for so many different ages my 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 table ranges from all ages to like kid books to all ages to like pg pg 13 hard r you know that, that yeah, sort of thing yeah, yeah. so when a, when a family comes over I can honestly, and and everyone's curious to the convention, right? But most people are just there for the experience, I think. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's there looking for their next big indie book, right? Yeah. But when people come over, I let them look. I don't bark. I don't, like, there are people that are great hand salesmen, like Dave Pepos. I love David, and I was so happy that I was one of the first people that saw Spencer and Locke, and I was able to bring that out to the world. But he is a 
never ending amount of energy and salesmanship and, and showmanship that I just don't have. And so for me, I just like let people, Hey, check it out. If you have any questions, let me know. And most people will ask me, or they'll just be struck by some of the artwork because we know that art is the first thing people see. And that's the thing that they gravitate towards. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's, I mean, I love dialogue. Dialogue is my thing. Like, I, I, I feel like I write succinct dialogue that gets to the point, but is still entertaining and heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, and, and honestly, color design is a huge thing with me. Like, whenever I talk to the colorist or if I'm coloring a book, um, every scene and every uh, scenario has a color scheme in my mind. And even so much so that color influences the mood of the characters or might even tip a, a reader off to what's going on in the character's mind. That's cool. So like, I'm just thinking on that kind of level. And mm-hmm. then I also like lettering my own stuff because I'm always constantly rewriting my own stuff. <laughs> and, and I've become a good letterer because of it. Like, it's like you wind up just doing everything yourself because like, you know, when you're starting out, like who else do you have? You just yeah. have you and, yeah. you know, yeah. it's cool. That's awesome. Um, and I still letter every book. Like Dark Horse was like, who lettered this? I was like, you know who lettered that? It was me. Come on. <laughs> it's fine. But Brockton loves writing sound effects. I think if there was one thing, and I'm always like lettering the sound effects, I'm like, this motherfucker and this gabloosh. Like, <laughs> I got to come up with a new gabloosh every time we write something together. It's crazy. Gabloosh. Yeah. That's well, a Dave, great sound effect, though. We've, uh, we've taken up enough of your time, my man. I feel like we could just do this... Oh, we should just do this every week. We should just fucking bullshit every week, yeah, guys. I mean, you're, sure. a, you're a good dude. And I'm surprised that carnival barking isn't your thing. You have the gift of gab. You're very gabby. You're very friendly. You're very personable. It's uh, the, I think I think carnival barking has a negative. <laughs> it has a negative tone uh, yeah. and like uh, association with it. Because we do what he's talking about, but we don't carnival bark. We basically, oh, but I do. Uh, I, I have carnival barked and I will. I could listen to your, your dulcet tones forever. <laughs> I could listen to you talk all day long. So Dave, that's. <laughs> I knew I liked you for some reason. <laughs> so I'm sorry Brockton couldn't make it. He, uh, he was like, he told me last week that he was. His, his kid was in town uh, from college. She's in art school and she's a fantastic artist, by the way, if you guys need another artist. Hey, what's her page rate? What's her page rate? <laughs> right. Especially since she's in college. We can yeah, yeah. just, we'll buy lots of ramen. Yeah. <laughs> we'll pay you in a crate of ramen. We'll so just call the comic fueled by ramen. So she was in town hanging out with friends and like he thought she got COVID and he thought she was getting sick right before Ooh. she like went back to school and then they had to go get tested. It was a huge stressful weekend for him last weekend. And then he was like, I'm going to make it up to my wife and we're going to go away for the week for Valentine's Day. That's nice. And, and then I was like, yeah, it's really nice. Except he reminded me that it was friggin' Valentine's Day. And I'm like, I'm the most unromantic piece of shit. No. Like, <laughs> like seriously, I was like, oh man. And it's my anniversary. <laughs> so oh, it's like, hey, happy. And how long have you been married? So this is the anniversary for our first date. It, it's not our, oh, our, our that doesn't count. Don't worry about it. It doesn't count. Well, yeah, we've been together right. for ugh. we've been together for like seven years. Yeah, you're not in high school, been... Dave. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, dude, dude, trust me, every day is a blessing. I we used to do month anniversaries. It was like <laughs> month of, remember yeah. those when you were 19 and oh it's our two-month anniversary. It... <laughs> I was just lucky to hang on. All right, I'm hanging on for dear life to this one. Jeez. Oh, stop it. You're a sweetheart. <laughs> so you've got your Kickstarter now. Where can we find that? Uh, yeah, it's just, you just type in, well, go to go to Kickstarter and just type in The Broken Circle and it'll be it'll be right there. You'll see preview art and some cool little uh, things. And if you miss Prom of the Dead, which uh, most people did, because uh, <laughs> it's a comic book, um, 
yeah, you could get it there. And then uh, we're actually, we're doing something really cool where we're unlocking another graphic novel at 12,000 bucks. So uh, we just wrapped up a, uh, a web comic called Mind Palace and it's all about Brian Fuller's subconscious mind. And I don't know if you guys know Brian Fuller, but he did uh, Hannibal, Pushing Daisies, Wonderfalls, Dead Like Me. Voyager, okay. I know him from Voyager. Okay. <laughs> That's the he, kind of nerd I am. He, his stuff was great. And like, he'll say Deep Space Nine is his, his favorite. Now. I know I he love, is, yeah. yeah he loves it's so Nine. good. Yeah. Um, but all of Brian's shows get canceled after two or three seasons. Oh. And like, as a comic book dude, I was like, oh man, that feels so similar to everything that we go through. You go through, you know, <laughs> you spend your entire life imagining this thing that goes for four issues. And then it's like, oh, you're not going to get any more of that. So I did... Uh, Mind Palace, and it's all about all of his canceled TV shows that are in his subconscious driving him crazy. And then when Brian's at his creative lowest, he visits his characters in his mind, and then he gets murdered, and it's a murder mystery as to who ah. killed Brian. Well, that's super so cool. did, did, you, did you talk to him about doing this, or is this completely independent of him? It, it was. It was independent of him until someone told him about it. And then he and I started talking and becoming friends. And uh, he's picked up a bunch of stuff for me and we've we've wrapped back and forth. And I'm hoping he's going to do the forward for it. We've talked about it, but he's like quietly working on a bunch of movies right now. So yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I can't take you away from real shit. I'm asking you for like, you know, free work. And we know what that <laughs> that's hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that's cool because I saw when you launched that and I was like, I wonder if he's like, is this a, a Brian Fuller production? You're just doing this completely independently of him. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it was really stressful, like knowing that eventually he was going to find it and then not, not knowing if he was going to like it. And I don't know if anyone would hate a webcomic about themselves because yeah. you're like, someone cares enough about me to make something about you know, some, some work of fiction about me, but he's been super supportive. I've asked him a bunch of questions about what would happen. Hey, hey, Brian, what would happen here? And we've spitballed a few things. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's he's a really, really great guy. And he's really gracious uh, uh, and, and thankful for his fans, yeah. which, you know, as a Hollywood person, I think that he, uh, at least from my point of view, has been more supportive of people making stuff that they love based on his work than anyone else. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been cool. That's cool. So, so you've, yeah. got, you've got like every, so then you can go to Kickstarter, you can get all that stuff. And then Jenny Zero, the, the orders for that are, they're still taking those. So go to your local comic shop and pick and uh, get that thing on your pull. And uh, Dave, this was wonderful. Yeah, Dude, thanks for coming great. on. What a guy. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, see each other in person at a convention sometime in the near future. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to any shows until 2022. I've already said I'm out for this year. I'm not doing it. Okay, so, so when you say that, do you mean like January 2022? Yeah, 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 like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That could I'm just, happen. I'm just, I'm, just taking, I'm taking this year off. Kevin and I are going to try to pitch stuff and run some things through and see what happens and get where we go. And But yeah, I'm not going out there because I get sick when I go to shows anyway. Yeah. Like I'll yeah. come back with con crud and, you know, and I'm not fucking with that shit, man. No way. I did, uh, I did Chicago like right when it that was started. that was the last show like yeah, yeah that was it and i got so fucking sick i was <laughs> sicker than i've ever been and then i got home and like a day later my wife got sick but we we got through it in like four days so i don't know if, i don't think it was covid but like i'm not gonna like 
go and dip my dick in a petri dish to find out. <laughs> you did enough of that in your 20s, probably. <laughs> right. how, how did I get out of that unscathed? I have no idea. But but yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I miss it. I want to go back. But like, what's the first one I'm going to go to? Like, if they do New York, if they do Emerald City this year, they, uh, November, December, maybe. Like, Bob, I, I thought could about probably... heroes. I thought about heroes, but I'm not sure. It depends. Like yeah, I've already was, had this conversation, so I was yeah, like, I, 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 I'm not doing it. I already said it. I would be remiss to miss it two years in a row. So, but if I have to, I will. It just depends on whether or not I I get the vaccination before then. Before before I leave you guys, I'm going to ask you this last question: How many conventions do you do a year when the world isn't ending in an apocalypse? <laughs> like, is it like together or separately? Uh, just total between, not between the two of you, but total separate. I'll try to do like five or six. Um, I think what we want to do though, is we want to try to focus on bigger shows, Mm -hmm. cut out some of the smaller ones that we used to do that we would just go to sell books and try to network more, just to try to meet people and all that bullshit. I mean, because you got to play the game, you know? So like- You you don't drink though, right, Bob? Not at all. Not at all, yeah. Yeah, see, you got to smoke, you got to (laughs) drink. That's my- I can fake it really well, so. <laughs> he has to deal with me at Barcon, so like he, he's my babysitter. <laughs> Every, everyone needs one. I tell you what, uh, like at Chicago, I don't, I don't really remember going home, but I remember apologizing to everyone the next day. I was like, yeah. I'm really sorry. They're like, Oh no, you're really great. You met my wife. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, yeah. blackout bad. Yeah. Um, see, I did all that when I was a kid. I don't do that so, anymore. So, Bob, you're five or six. Kev, how many? It's probably around the same, but we in between those five or six, we probably do three or four together. Okay. So yeah, okay. we probably only we're only probably split for like two or three of those. It just depends on the year. Some years I do more than him. Like, I'll, and sometimes I'll just go to a con um, and ask for a pro pass. I think something. we that's something so. that we need to look more into doing because we were going to do uh, North Carolina, Carolina. <laughs> before the plague happened, but then. Yeah. Well, so, when you guys want to do it, let me know because that's. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for coming on. Jenny Zero will be in shops in April, you said yes. Yes, sir. And go to Kickstarter right now and you can back- um, uh, The Broken Circle. The Broken Circle, my brain just shut off for some reason. That's okay, I, did, I didn't even realize my gallbladder failed five yes, years ago. That's how bad it Yes. So check, check Dave out. Dave, where can we find you on social media and whatnot? Uh, it's just like literally everything is just at Dave DeWanch. Last name is D-W-O-N-C-H. That's you. You'll find me for sure. There you go, Dave, thank you so much. Oh, dude, thank you. That was Dave Duwanch. His book, Jenny Zero, will be in stores in April, and he's got a Kickstarter right now called... Kevin, what's that Kickstarter called? Broken Circle. Broken Circle is live right now on Kickstarter, so you can do all that and get all things Dave Duwanch. What a nice dude. Dave's awesome. He's a good he's, guy. He's a lot of fun, too. Yeah. So like, You should back his books because Dave's also not only just a nice and talented guy, but he has also had like umptillion years in the comic book industry yeah he's been doing this for a very long time and he's a very good dude so uh check out his work and if you're so inclined you could probably check his work out let me see here real fast you could probably go to thewordbros.com click on that things from another world banner 
and look for Dave do watch stuff. I'm sure Jenny Zero will be on there. You can go on there and pre-order that book. You can get all kinds of stuff. Statues, comics, graphic novels, games, all kinds of stuff. All from things from another world. It's one of the largest online comic shops in the country. And they have everything that you need to get your comic book freak on. Go to thewordbros.com. Click on that Things from Another World banner. You'll see it. It's got Wolverine on there and a little Spider-Man and what's her name? The White Queen. Click on there and you can get all your comics from thingsfromanotherworld.com. And we thank them for sponsoring Word Bros. And Kevin- also, while you're on uh, the Word Bros site, click Shop Our Store if you'd like to buy yeah. any Word Bros books that we have up there. And we have a lot of them. Yeah, so dude. please take a look. Yep, it's uh, it's right in the upper right hand corner there is a buy our books which is you know and then I mean, who are the direct. Word, yeah who are the word bros so we can get you can answer your questions about who we are and then you can buy our books on our shop so check that out thank you very much for listening we appreciate it next week we've got some big shows coming we got a lot of stuff happening with the word bros podcast thank you so much for listening and uh thank you uh if you enjoy the show please rate us and subscribe on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, I believe that's the episode, Kevin. That's the end. Talk to you next week. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com. <laughs>